0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge weekly sermon podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Hello everyone, I'm Neil Haney, senior pastor of Vineyard Northridge. Welcome to Church at Home. You know this COVID-19 uh, experience has been really interesting to watch as a spectator. Uh, I've, I've watched a nation of very independent, very uh, self-sufficient, very uh, people that love their rights and enjoy their freedoms really submit to governmental restrictions uh, for quite a few weeks now uh, just to keep the, the, the curve flat for this, uh, for this virus that can kill people. And uh, American people have been very cooperative up to now, but the longer this drags out, the more it seems like people are getting antsy and beginning to protest and beginning to demand their freedoms and rights. And it's interesting that our nation was kind of founded on uh, the in, you know the Declaration of Independence uh, and, and the Constitution and constitutional rights. and we're a people that are very self-sufficient and, and very uh, independent and we like our freedom, we like our rights, and I respect that. In fact, the church in America has been able to function openly and without a lot of of governmental interference because of those constitutional rights and because of our our desire for independence and, and rights and freedoms. But it's interesting in the kingdom of God how upside down the kingdom is because the United States has one of the best Constitution's one of the best Bill of rights, one of the best uh, governmental systems in the world economic systems in the world, but the kingdom of God doesn't work the way the United States government works because instead of being independent and and functioning from a declaration of, of independence, the Lord has made it clear to us through through his word and through the scriptures, especially in the New Testament that the Lord wants us to be dependent on him and, and, in fact, wants us to declare our dependence on him as a way of functioning. You know, one of, the, one of the things that happens with Christians, especially in our culture, is that we come to Christ and we get excited about the fact that we're forgiven of our sins and, and we, we start off on this Christian journey. And, very, you know, at the beginning, everything seems fine. Sin kind of loses its flavor. Uh, we 're we're, we're just rolling along and and telling people our friends about jesus and we're we 're seeing things happen and we 're so excited and then, six months into this, it kind of the new kind of wears off and then suddenly, we start feeling more and more the strain of trying to live as a Christian in our own strength and and Unfortunately, uh, American Christianity has been very much uh, self sufficient very much doing things for god and asking him to bless us and that's not how this is supposed to function and so my the title of my message today is declaration of dependence and i want to talk about how important it is for us to stop trying to live for god and allow jesus to live through us there's a couple of stories that i want to share from the new testament that kind of illustrate this one is a very familiar passage from the Gospel of, of Luke. Uh, it's a story about uh, two sisters who in, uh, in, in, um, lived in Bethany right across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. You could see Jerusalem from their home, I'm sure. And um, Jesus went there to visit. And uh, Lazarus was their brother. I, we, we hear the story of the raising of Lazarus. Martha and Mary were his sisters. So... He was very close to this family, to, to these three people. And so he was visiting them not long before uh, his crucifixion. He had stopped in for, for a time of fellowship. He was probably looking for some, some, just some really good interaction and friendship. And, um, and so th- we have these very different sisters that are trying to interact with, with our Lord as he came to visit. And Martha began immediately to kick into gear and do the American thing. She wanted to prepare a meal and make sure everything was perfect. And she's working, working, working. Where Mar- Mary sits down at his feet and just they just start talking. And she's listening to Jesus. And he's sharing things. And and she's enjoying his company. And uh, and Martha gets very, very upset with both of them. It's interesting how she's upset with Mary. But her her frustration and her... Her irritation kind of overflows onto Jesus when she actually accuses him of not caring about her. She said, Lord, don't you care that I'm doing all the work while my sister just sits here? And, and he says to her, Martha, Martha, uh, you're, you're busy and you're worried and you're frustrated and you're distracted, he said, about so many things. But there's only really one thing needful. And Mary has chosen that one thing needful. To, to be in relationship with me and to sit at my feet and to and to actually have this intimate relationship with me. And so one of the things that I'm discovering as I go in my Christian walk is that is that not that Jesus came to earth uh, you know in, in cooperation with his Father, in obedience to his father, he emptied himself of his glory, he took on human flesh and came here not just to die on the cross for our sins, so that That he could, you know, save us from hell and get us to heaven. So get us out of hell into heaven. But but he came so that in his resurrection and ascension he could come back and bring heaven into us. He wanted to get himself into us. And that is the rest of the gospel. That Jesus, his desire is to actually live his life through us. Now... I've been walking with the Lord for probably five decades. i um, 62. I came to Christ in early grade school. Um, and I know that I got very serious about following the Lord uh, when I was in my, my uh, mid-teens. And uh, my mom ended up being my Sunday school teacher, and she got filled with the Holy Spirit. And all these teenage kids in our church just loved my mom. And I was just astounded that this woman that I grew up with that embarrassed me on a regular basis, I thought, as a teenager, could actually come to this class and be so dynamic and so inspiring and so engaging. And it was one of those deals like, okay, who are you and what have you done with my mother? But I really enjoyed the class, and she sowed some really good seed into my heart in those years in high school that she was my Sunday school teacher along with my, my peers But as I got into my 20s and I began to want to really be serious about living for Jesus, I found it very difficult to do because I found myself trying to share Christ with people and trying to stop sinning and trying to be a really good person and trying to do this and trying to do that and trying not to do this and trying to stop that. And it was trying, trying, trying. And you might say I became very trying. Uh, (laughs) I remember uh, when I was in seminary, uh, I went to, uh, I was going to my car and I saw this teenage kid on a bicycle and I thought I should go tell this kid about Jesus and see if I can get him to pray the prayer of salvation and so I went and I interrupted him and I asked his name and, and we pulled over under a tree in the shade and I, I, I talked to him about you know his sin and I talked to him about how he needed Jesus and, and uh, I just felt like everything that I did and said was so awkward and so forced and I could see in the, the look in his kid's eyes that I was it was like I was beating him with a stick. And when I got done and I asked him if he wanted to pray the prayer, he said, no thanks, and he rode off on his bicycle. <laughs> and I can't blame him at all because, like I said, everything was forced. And I was trying to perform for God, and I was trying to do these great things uh, for him. And, and, and then it just got to the point where I was trying not to sin. That, that ended up being kind of like my mode of operation is just try to keep my nose clean Try not to do anything wrong. And if I get some kind of opportunity that I can corner someone else, I'll try to force the gospel on them. And it, it just didn't work, it just wasn't working. And so uh, it's become a very uh, wonderful revelation that Jesus doesn't want me to do anything. <laughs> he, he wants me to stop trying, He wants me to stop working, He wants me to stop performing. He wants me to just stop and, and let him do this. Let him do through me what I can't do. You know, one of the things that it says in, in Romans 7 is that... There, I'll just read it. It's a, a scripture from Romans 7. This is from the Amplified Version. Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh... I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. Paul says basically there's nothing good that dwells in my flesh. Now in Romans 6 it says that, that we died with Christ to our old Adam sinful self. And so that, that old self that doesn't want anything to do with God, that, that old self that just wants to sin till our heart's content has been put on the cross with Christ, and we have been raised with him and and given his spirit, so we have new life. But what hasn't changed is we still live in a fallen body that craves a lot of things that aren't good for us, Uh, anything from really bad junk food to drugs and alcohol uh, to um, addictions, that is, to um, just you know when we get tired we tend to get irritable we you know we live in a fallen body and our flesh is very prevalent in our bodies but also the way we think has to be renewed we we come to Christ as we are and our the way we think has not been rewired just because the spirit comes in we do receive a new spirit when the holy spirit comes in but our souls made up of our, our minds our wills and our emotions have to be uh, renewed in, in the Lord. Our, our minds have to be renewed in the new way of thinking. Our wills have to be surrendered to the Lord, which is very difficult for us to do, especially American Christians with independence and rights and freedoms and all that. To surrender to the lordship of a king is kind of a foreign concept to us. And so the Lord has to work that in us through his spirit. And then our emotions need to be healed, need to be, need to be uh, Uh, Redeemed and renewed in in the Spirit, and so there's a lot of work that the Holy Spirit has to do when we come to Christ, and it's 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 really freeing to understand and to and to begin to realize that it's not my job to change me; it's His job to change me. It's the Holy Spirit's work. You know, He gives us a new Spirit. He comes in and gives us life, but then He rolls up His sleeves. And begins to take out the trash, and begins to straighten the bent things, and and work in us to to give us a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, and a new way of, of surrendering to the lordship of Christ, where we just lay our lives before Him and say, "Lord, it's all yours. You take over from here." And so we can get very, very tired as we as we are in our unredeemed minds, and our unsurrendered wills, and and our damaged emotions, and our and unhealed emotions and, and in our bodies with all the cravings and all the things that we battle with trying to uh, eat right and, and, and exercise and, and, and to stay away from bad things and that sort of thing. It's, it becomes very difficult to be good and to live this Christian life, especially when we're trying to do it in our own human strength. And I've, I know that there are several church fathers uh, and, and, and spiritual fathers of mine that are still alive <laughs> That have tried to explain to us that failure is actually a good thing, because when we fail, you know, I said well, I tried and tried and tried. I also failed and failed and failed, and failure actually leads us to the end of ourselves, to the end of our own strength. And Paul said it really well in in First Corinthians twelve, where he says, uh, "My my my." Uh, God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. Therefore, I will boast all the more in my weakness. Because he doesn't want my strength. He wants my weakness. He wants me to surrender to him so that he can live his powerful life through me. A couple of of, uh, more scriptures that I wanted to um, to share. Matthew chapter 10, verses 28 through thirty. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a really good thing because we're wearied and burdened because we're worn out trying to be good and trying not to be bad. And he says, I'll give you rest. Just come to me, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, not yours, not this weight and burden of you doing everything right. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. (laughs) For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul if you come to me. You'll find rest for your mind. You'll find rest for your your unsurrendered will. You'll find rest for your emotions. Your body even will rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews says this very interesting thing. He says, "There, there remains a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest will also rest from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall by following the example of the Israelites in their disobedience. But he's talking about resting from our works here. And uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about today. And so what I want to do is, in finishing this message is I want to talk about how we can practically cease from our own labors, cease from our own work, cease from our own trying to do the work of God and let Jesus do that through us. Because it's really important that we stop doing what's futile, uh, trying to perform uh, religious duties and be a good Christian in our own strength and begin to let Jesus live his life through us. It's, that's, that's my goal for myself and for my church is to help everyone to, to begin to live a fruitful, productive Christian life. If you remember in John 15, Jesus is his last, it's his last meal with his disciples. He's already told them that he's going to go away, but he's going to send his Holy Spirit. And he and the Father are going to come and, and, and live in, in us and or in them, and which means in us also. Uh, because we're disciples too, but he's, he's like, I'm going to send my spirit, and my father and I, we're all going to come live in you, and then live through you. And then Jesus moves immediately into, the basically the only parable in the Gospel of John, and it's the parable of of the vine and the branch. I don't know if you've noticed, but there aren't any other parables in the Gospel of John. It's just its just a narrative. But he comes to this this point where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And, Everyone who abides in me will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's really fascinating. You know, I, I've seen throughout my Christian life I've, and throughout my life, I've seen a lot of people do a lot of things. I've seen people grow big churches, I've seen people do a lot of, of work. And, but only at the end when, when all of our works are weighed out before the Father and, and you know Jesus judges our, our works, he said, he said, if you have done it the right way, if you've lived the way that I want you to, then it's going to be gold, silver, precious stones, and it's going to go through the fire and survive. But if it, it, if it hasn't been done the right way, it's only going to amount to wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to burn up in the judgment. Jesus said very clearly at the end of John seven, I mean M- Matthew seven, that uh, not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. In that day, many will say to me, "Did we not do this and that and the other thing? Cast out demons, you know, do miracles and you know, miraculous signs and so forth in your name?" And he says, I will say to you, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer, because you didn't do the will of God. So there's, there's all kinds of good works. But the ones that count are the, things that, the fruit that's born through abiding in Christ. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand how this thing works. As we abide in the vine and Jesus, the sap of his spirit, flows through us, then we bear fruit for him. He actually does this through us. And so I want to talk about practically right now how this happens. You know, um, uh, I was reading Ian Thomas's book, The Indwelling uh, Life of Jesus Christ, and, and uh, uh, I just um, I love this illustration. He said, if I, came, if I came to you and said, I want to give you rest, and you were digging a hole. He said, what if I just stood there and said, uh, instead of throwing the, the dirt over your right shoulder, try throwing it over your left shoulder. Or, you know, uh, let me sing a song about digging a hole for you, and maybe that will give you rest. Or, Or maybe I can just tell you the latest philosophical understanding of how holes are supposed to be dug. None of that would give you rest. He's like, that's what we do sometimes as preachers. We just tell people how to dig the hole better instead of actually leading them into rest. But what Jesus does is he comes along and says, hey... Why don't you get out of that hole and let me get in the hole, and then I'll dig it for you. But I want you to stay here, and uh, I might ask you to hand me something. I might ask you to to be involved in this process with me, but I want you to rest. More than anything, I just want you to rest. And that's how this works. And so, and so what I've discovered is, I mean, when I would get out of bed in the mornings for years, I would... I would, or I would wake up in the morning and I would sit on the side of the bed and I would think about all the things that I had to do that day, all the, the work that had to be done, all the meetings, all the, you know, the sermon preparation, the, the, you know, the, whatever wherever it was I was working on, the projects, the programs, and I would just feel the weight of all that. And it would just be like, I would just groan as I got out of bed to, you know, to stumble into the shower. I just, you know, it was like, oh, I'm just overwhelmed with this, all this stuff. And after a number of years, I ended up burning out. Because you can only do that so long in your own strength before you burn out. That's why Jesus said, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest. And so I didn't understand that. And so I just, in my own strength, I was day after day. Just doing, 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 doing. Trying, 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 trying. Failing, 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 failing. And you can only try and fail so much until you just burn out. And that's what happened to me in 2012. And since then, the Lord's, as he's put me back together. And he has put me back together. One of the things he's shown me is that when I go through the day, I go through it with him. First, I just start out spending a couple of hours with him in the morning, just sitting at his feet like Mary did. I don't think Mary was lazy. I think she did a lot of other things after she had interaction with Jesus because then she knew what to do. If we don't spend time with him, we don't know what to do. If we don't ask the Father, what's your will? We don't know what the will of the Father is. So we end up doing our own thing and asking God to bless it. Rather than allowing Jesus to show us the Father's will and then do that through us. And so now uh, it's Lord, I, I get up, I was like, "Yeah, Lord, I got this to do and that to do and this to do, but I' want to spend that time with you this morning because that's important. I'm going to invest the time in your word and listening to your voice and praying and reading devotional classics and just feeding my soul. And then I'm going to uh, join you in whatever it is that we're going to do today. We're going to have an adventure today. And yes, I've got some meetings lined up, but you, you're going to have to do that counseling session. I don't, I don't know how to help this person, but you know how to help this person. I'm going to show up. You use my hands, my mouth, my eyes, my brain, and you minister to them. And you know it works so much better that way. It's so, so much more effective that way just to let him do it through me. Uh, in sermon preparation, same thing. I, I used to just you know fret and fume and, and beat my head against the wall. And now it's just like, okay, Lord. You uh, know You know what, you know what i 've been reading, and, and you know what you 've been speaking? What do you want to say to, to the people that you know Sunday morning, um, how, how do you want to do this? And just letting him just basically prepare the sermon through my hands, my eyes, my brain, it, it just works so much better when I just let him do it. And uh, I remember reading the story of J. Hudson Taylor, a, a great missionary. Uh, back in the 1800s. And he was the first missionary to ever go to mainland China uh, with the gospel. And he worked there for like 16 years. And he worked really hard. He had a really good work ethic. And he was a man of God. And he prayed and he studied. And But, but he was in the same shape I was in in 2012. He had just come to the place where he was sick of sin. He was sick of his own ill temper. He was sick of doing everything and just being exhausted in the work that he was doing. And he, he just began to cry out to the Lord, Lord, what's wrong with me? Uh, I, I I don't feel like I even know you sometimes. I don't feel like I'm a Christian at all sometimes. I, I can't believe how bad a heart I have. And he just kept crying out to the Lord. And the Lord met him. And the Lord showed him that he was the branch in the vine. And that he just needed to rest in Christ. That Christ would do the work. And he in a letter to his sister, he said... My work has never been more difficult nor more plentiful. In other words, i got more than I work than I've ever had, and it's more difficult than it's ever been. But he said, the strain and striving are all gone. He does the work. I just show up. And for the, for the, the, the smallest task, I need his grace. And for the most difficult task, his grace is sufficient. Either way, whether it's small and simple or difficult and big, I still need him either way. I need him to do it. And he said, I'm just resting in him, just resting in Jesus. He wants to give us rest. He wants us to come to him and lay our burdens down and lay our work down and say, Lord, I'm going to cease from working for you. I want you to work through me. Here's my life. Here's my body. Here's my mind. Here's my eyes, my tongue, my hands, my feet. I surrender it all to you. You use this. And I'm declaring my dependence on you. And I just want you to do this through me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.